and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, Pastor Mark kicked us off last week on a brand new series titled, We Are Better Together. And that's one of our core values here at Destiny Church. We believe that we are better when we're together. Amen? You guys agree? Because we're better when we have community. Who we surround ourselves with determines our character, right? So a community is absolutely vital and important. So y'all are in agreement, right? All right, so we're better together. So this is what I want you to do. Everybody get out your cell phone really quick. Everybody get out your cell phone. And the people that you're around right now in your little group or whoever you're sitting by, I want you to take a selfie. Come on. We're better together, right? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand up here. I can't get everybody, but I'm going to get this group right here. We're going to get a selfie because... Come on, I can't, even get, I can't even get mine up there. We're better together. Everybody smile. All right, we're better together. So this is what I want you to do. After service, hey, after service, not right now, but after service, because I don't need you all chap-snatting and twerting and whatever you all do on social media. So after service, yeah, I said that on purpose. My kids make fun of me all the time. I'm not that old. I'm cool. After service, I want you guys to post that on your socials under the hashtag DC Better Together. Can you do that? Hey, do I have anybody in here that's a first-time guest that literally is bold enough to say, I'm a first-time guest in here today? Is this your first time? Any, do we have any first-time guests? Come on right here. Come here. Come on. Come on, we're better. No, I want both of y'all. Hey, we're better together. Come on, sit down there. I'll get down there. With you. Right. Come on. You're going to, they're never coming back to church ever again, are they? Come on. We're better together. After service, I'll put, post those on your social media. Hey, listen, what we want to do is we want to show people in this community, inside this church, listen, we love people. We love doing life with people. We want you to be a part of what we're doing here. So we want, anytime you're with your life groups, anytime you're with people from the church or whatever you're doing, take those pictures and hashtag them DC better together, okay? After service, not right now. I got, I got a word to bring. Hey, so Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark gave us three things last week that we could do individually for ourselves to help bring unity to the body, right? Collectively. You guys remember what they were? Be humble. Be patient. And be gentle. Amen. Anybody else challenged by those? Like, that's hard, right? Like, I'm literally having a hard time having patience, trying to learn how to be patient. And it's a struggle. Like, anybody else challenged by that? Because unity's hard, right? Unity takes effort. It requires us, it requires work from us. But why do we do it? To bring unity, right? Because Christ came to unite us, not divide us. Amen? And if we're going to be united in community, and if we're going to be united inside this church, then each and every single one of us has to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? We have to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives individually so that collectively we come together united as a church. So it's going to require us to take work and take effort because unity is vital for the church. Okay. Unity is essential for the existence of the church. It's crucial for the body, especially in today's culture where it becomes more and more fractured because we see division everywhere, right? It's everywhere. It's in our communities. It's in our government. It's in our schools. It's in our homes. And unfortunately it's in our churches. Division is existing everywhere. And I believe that's why we see all throughout the Bible, the importance of unity. When we read the scriptures, it continuously reveals that the followers of Christ must be unified 
in thought and in purpose so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everyone say mature. We don't want to say it, but we got to say it. Become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Come on, I know I want the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want everything that Christ has to offer for me. Amen? Come on, that's what it takes. It takes us being unified in that so that we can all reach this unity. So the main theme or the main emphasis of this entire series, this whole We Are Better Together series is this, that the unity of believers should be one of the most attractive and most productive qualities of the church. The unity of believers should be one of the most attractive and most productive qualities of the church. You guys agree? Okay, not the preaching, although that's extremely important. Not the worship, that's important too. Not the size of the building, not the number of the congregation, not anything else that goes on, but the unity within the body that takes place inside should be the most attractive and productive quality of the church. Because the devil doesn't fear a big church. But I'll tell you this, he'll fear a united church. He'll fear a united church. You know why? Because a united church is powerful and effective. Amen? When we submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, come on, we have some power. The devil will fear that. So our main scripture for this series is going to be found in John 17, 20 through 23. And Pastor Mark read it last week. I'm going to read it again today. So if you brought your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and turn to the book of John. Um, If not, it's going to be on the screen up there. You guys can follow along that way. So Jesus is with his disciples and he's, he's in his last hours. Okay. He knows that he's getting ready to be arrested and, and crucified. And so he's with his disciples and he's praying this prayer, this, this wholehearted prayer to God. And it's not just for his disciples. We'll read this. It's not just for his disciples and it's not just for us. Jesus is praying for everyone who will believe in the name of Christ. So John 17, starting in verse 20, it says, my prayer is not for them alone. And he's talking about the the disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, through the message of the gospel, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to what? Complete unity. Then once they reach complete unity, it says, then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them. Yeah, you have loved them like you have loved me. Come on, our unity, church, is telling the world the love and the story of Jesus. Amen? We are a witness to that. Let's pray. Father, we just, we just thank you. God, that you, you choose people like us to be able to spread the gospel, to be able to be the people that you desire us to be, to go out and be able to show the love that you have shown us. And God, help us, help us through this message just to realize, God, that our unity, God, it brings glory and power to you and to the body and to the church. And Lord, I'm praying that we can all humble ourselves, that we can all be gentle, that we can all submit and be patient this morning. God, use me as the vessel to bring your word. God, open the hearts and the minds of these people. And God, we just give you this day. We just thank you that we're even able to come into the presence of you, Father. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Hey, so our unity within the church, within a body of believers, is a testimony to a watching world. And it's apparent, right? It's apparent when a, re- when a relationship, when an organization, when a company, or even a team isn't unified, right? Like, it's obvious. You, you can visually see it, right? by their attitudes, by their actions, by the words that come out of your mouth. You can tell if there's a disconnect going on inside something, right? If you don't believe me, watch the Chiefs play today because it'll probably happen because that's all it does, right, Tyler? I mean, yeah, it's sad. But you can, you can see it by their actions, by their words. It's visual. Like, and husbands, don't even act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, seriously, we can tell. It's obvious when you don't get your way, Craig, when you don't get the new bass boat, or you don't get the new golf clubs, or you don't get the new truck. We, we can tell that there's a disconnect in the marriage, right? Because y'all are walking around pouting, kicking the dirt, mad and hungry. And all the wives said, why'd you say amen? <laughs> huh. Now listen, there can be good unity and there can be bad unity, right? We can be united for the wrong reasons. We can be united for the wrong reasons. Just like an example would be when we go to work. We're frustrated because we didn't get our way, but we know we're right, right, man? Even when we're wrong, we're right. So we go to Billy and we start talking about our wives and how she's this and this, and we start nagging on about her. And, and then all of a sudden, Billy, he wants to one-up you because men are competitive, right? Oh, yeah, let me tell you what my wife did. And all of a sudden, we start bickering back and forth and we start pulling away all the annoyances about our spouses. And we start degrading the, the fact that, that we're married. And then all of a sudden, Johnny walks up and he's got to tell us how bad about a cook his wife is and how she burnt the toast. And then I'm competitive, like, yeah, mine did too. I mean, it wasn't me. This is an example. But now all of a sudden, we're just in this big, huge negative whirlpool, right? We're just in this big negative whirlwind about our annoyances and the frustrations and the opinions and how they don't meet our needs and they don't meet our desires and they don't meet our wants. And all the while, we got an intern sitting in the corner, literally who's engaged in the fetal position, sucking his thumb right now, scared to death, thinking, what in the world? What am I getting ready to get into? I don't want any part of marriage. Y'all see where I'm going with this? You didn't think he was going to get a marriage sermon this morning, did you? Here's a bonus side note for you. Your marriage is a gift from God. Your marriage is a gift from God. It's a union, okay? It's a unification of two souls united under a covenant, amen? Your marriage is a gift. And your marriage, listen, church, your marriage is a reflection of the gratitude that you have for the gift that God gave you. Yeah, that's good. You know why? Because it's the exact same thing in the church. You know why? Because ultimately we're the bride of Christ, So if we're not literally unified in this church and in this body, and all we do is walk around complaining about the annoyances and griping about how we don't like the sound of the drums or the color of the carpet, and we're constantly bickering and tearing everything apart because we're making it about us and we're not humble and we're not patient and we're not gentle, you know what? We're tearing down. We're we're not grateful for for the gift that God's given us inside this body, right? And so why would anybody in the world even want to have anything to do with church? Just like the intern who doesn't want anything to do with marriage because he sees what it's portrayed as. Marriage is a gift. And yet so many times we aren't humble and we aren't gentle and we aren't patient. We tear apart. We tear it completely apart. We're not grateful for what God has given us. We don't take ownership in that and build it up. It says, be built up to maturity not tearing down. 
So my first point of today is this, is that our unity, our unity inside this body is one of the greatest witnesses to unbelievers. Our unity is one of the greatest witnesses to unbeliever, to unbelievers. And in John 17, Jesus prayed for the body to develop a culture of unity. You see, there's a culture that we are called to achieve, maintain, and protect, to be united in thought and in purpose, to love God and to love his people. An example to a watching world. And in verse 23, this is Jesus's prayer. Like he's, this is his plea to God. He says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Come on, church, do we portray that? Does this body portray that to a watching world? That's my question. Is our unity attractive? Is it desirable? Is our unity available for everyone who walks through our doors, even the ones that aren't walking through our doors? Because our unity should be one of the most attractive and productive characteristics of this church. We're to be united in our faith and in the knowledge of Christ, united in truth and united in hope. Joined together for a common purpose, undivided, in harmony, a oneness driven to love and to show the love that Christ died for. Because this world seems to tend, this world tends to, to accept or reject and judge people based on achievements, or it's based on what you have or don't have. It's based on your possessions. It's based on what you have to offer, or it's based on what you can do for me, right? And the world says that your success matters, your achievements matter, how much money you make defines you, your occupation determines your social status, and the color of your skin determines whether you're accepted or not. the most attractive and inviting aspect of the church should be this, that no matter who you are, no matter what you have, no matter where you come from, no matter what you don't have, it doesn't determine your ability to be a part of this body. Amen. You know why? Because Christ defined that when he went to the cross. That's what happened. Christ defined that when he went to the cross because we're all broken. We're all sinful. We're all separated people in need of a savior. Come on, church, we all need hope, right? All of us need his mercy. We don't deserve it, but we need it. Grace upon grace. That's why I'm here. I hope that's why you're here. Not just coming in here for another Sunday to check a box, but I hope you're here because you desire that, you need that. And when we're united together in Christ, then that hope, that mercy, that grace, and that love, it's transparent to a hopeless, broken, watching world who is desperate. Amen? And it doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, if you have a degree, if you dropped out, if you have a job, if you're homeless, whether you're clean, whether you're addicted, whether you're in the best season of your life or the worst season of your life, this is the gospel. Christ died for all. Christ died to save everyone. Regardless of all those other things, right here, we're going to have a place for you. That's the culture of this church. No matter what, we're going to have a place for you. You're welcome in this place because we're going to be a united body that expresses the love and the gratitude that we have for the gift that Christ gave us. And it's going to pour out of this church so that everybody can see our transparency and our love. Come on, we must recognize that there's diversity in the church. Listen, God intended it to be that way. Look around. 
We're pretty diverse, right? Diversity doesn't mean division. Diversity doesn't mean division. God created, created it that way for a purpose. So we'd have to work at it. He doesn't want us all looking exactly the same and acting all exactly the same. That's why he's joined all of us together in this body to become unified in harmony, in our work, in our process, in the outpouring of our love to everyone. So diversity doesn't mean division unless we allow it to. Unless we're not humble and patient and gentle, then it causes division. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Paul, Paul says that one body is made up of many parts. It takes many parts to make up a body, right? But many parts make up one body. And the church is a gathering of individuals, each with a gift, knit together in a masterpiece of unity so that the world will know the love of Christ. Our text says that Jesus prayed for all who would call upon his name to be one and that a watching world would be drawn to Jesus. Jesus is literally sharing one of the greatest and most overlooked tools of evangelism right here. This is what he's saying. He says, when a watching world looks at a body of believers and they see it unified, they see something that they can't find anywhere else. That's a testimony, right? Because the world's desiring love, support, encouragement, and acceptance. And because of our oneness, because of our unification inside this body, that's what's going to draw them into the Savior. He didn't say that dynamic, charismatic preaching was going to draw them into the Savior. He didn't say that singing songs, there would be floods of people drawn, to the world, drawn into the church. He said, by your oneness, by the unity that you possess, that's what's going to draw them into this. That's what's going to draw them into the church. Jesus said, I'm praying that they will be one as the heavenly father and I are one and that that unity they possess, that's what's going to draw them into the gospel. And we as believers, this church might possibly be the only Jesus that people ever see. We might be the only Bible that people ever hear of, right? So by the way that we live our lives through our testimony, through the words that we speak about the love of Christ, not the negativity, not the bashing, not the annoyances, not the things that dis divide us, but the words that come out of our mouth that speak about the love of Christ and by our visible unity. We can say we're united. We can say we're united all we want, but it takes visible unity, right? So by our visible unity, we proclaim to the world the truth that God sent his son to pay for the sins and give eternal life to all those that believe. Come on, it's up to us. We have a responsibility, right? A come on, a united church is powerful and effective. Amen? Come on, we are effective, which leads me to my second point. God responds powerfully to our unity. God responds powerfully to our unity. And we see this when we, re when we read Acts chapter 4. So just a little bit of background before we dive into Acts. Um, so the first church has been established. And the Holy Spirit has came down upon all the believers, okay? Peter and John have just been released from being arrested for healing a man and for going out and tenaciously preaching the word of Jesus, right? Dude, these guys are like, these guys are full-fledged missionaries now, okay? They've been filled with something. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they can't help but contain what's inside of them. They're actually commanded by the rulers and by the authorities to never, ever speak or talk or say the name of Jesus again, and I love their response. 
He says, man, we can't contain what's inside of us. We have to tell the world what took place and what this man's done, right? Come on, that's faith over fear, amen? Anybody want some of that? Come on, I know I'd take some, I'd take some of that. So I want to pick up in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. So Peter and John are just reassembled with the believers. And I believe when, when we read this passage, we're going to notice unity. We're going we're to be able to see the unity that these believers had together, but we're also going to discover that unity is productive. And when God's people come together in one accord, there's power in unity. So Acts 4, 23 through 31, it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all to the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through your mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise together and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonder through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Check this out. Y'all ready? You sure you can handle this? After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. Come on. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God boldly. Come on, what happened when they all came together in one accord and raised their voices united in prayer? Come on, God moved, right? God moved powerfully. Come on, when we come together united in our faith and when we believe for God to move, he has no choice but to move. He hears us and he answers us. Things begin to happen. He begins to pour out his very spirit over us and the ground that we're standing on begins to shake. He equips us with this unimaginable, bold faith, right? Notice the first thing that they did was praise God. They raised their voices to God and gave thanks first and foremost. And then they prayed for God to enable them. They didn't pray for God. See, you got to realize the church in Acts, Peter and John, they were getting persecuted because they were going out spreading the love of Christ, right? So the church has been built up. The Holy Spirit has came down and poured upon the church. And now they're all going out, but they're being persecuted. They're being followed. They're being hunted. They're being chased. And so they did, when they prayed to God, they gave him praise first and foremost. And they said, God, enable us to be able to go and speak courageously like Peter and John just did. To have bold, audacious faith to go out and be able to pronounce the name of Jesus. He didn't say, God, take away the problem. He didn't say, God, remove me from the situation. The church came together and they prayed for boldness and for his mighty power and strength to equip them. And I think a lot of times that we pray for God to take us out of the situations or remove things in our life, right? And he has the ability to do so. He's God. But man, this has literally transformed my concept and my way of thinking. Because when I read this passage, I, I've been guilty of that. God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And God says, no, I've got it in place for a reason because I need you to persevere in your, in your faith. I need you to develop this boldness and an audacious faith that comes out there and proclaims my name. I don't want to remove you from this situation, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll equip you to get through this situation. Come on, this is what the church is praying for. 
So God, fill me with your presence and your boldness and give me the strength and the courage and your Holy Spirit to be able to overcome. And when we pray like that, and when we are united body with his spout, with his power and his presence, come on, God moves. God moves, church. And not just moves, but he moves powerfully in ways that we can't even imagine. Come on, when we're conjoined together in one accord, God hears us. Matthew 18 tells us that. He says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. My Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, who's there among them? I'm there among them. I'm with you. Come on, we are better together, right? We're better when we're together because there's almighty strength in numbers. His word tells us that. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of what? One mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You see, God seeks to love and do mighty, powerful acts through his people. He wants to do that when they commit to being united. And he chooses us as this body as a vessel to be able to have his spirit and his power come through us and work in earth-shaking ways. That's why we pray together. That's why we come over here and we pray over the needs of the house in our ministry moments. We pray over the needs of the house at the end of service. That's why we pray over the needs of the nation so that we have this kind of bold faith because God has the ability to move in supernatural ways when his people are united in one accord. When we all come together collectively, God has the ability to move. I want to go 32 through 35 in Acts chapter 4, those last three verses, and then I'll give you guys my last point for the day. Acts 4, 32 starts and says, all believers were united in one heart and one mind. They were diverse, but there wasn't any division among them because they were all united in one heart and in one mind after the same purpose. And they felt that what they had owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Come on, I want some of that blessing, amen? There were no needy people among them because those who owned land and houses would sell them and bring the money and give it to the apostles who would distribute it to those in need. So my last point is this, when the church is united, everyone's needs are met. So I need you to get out your stuff right now. There's real estate agents all over this room and sell everything you got. <laughs> come on, I'm just kidding. But when the church is united, just as over there like, yeah, come on, let's go. <laughs> but when the church is united, everyone's needs are met. There are no needy people among them. You know, we all got needs, right? Whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, marital, relational, whether you're in the best season of your life or the worst season of your life, you still have needs, right? That's the heart behind this house is to be able to meet the needs of the people. First and foremost, that's Christ, right? But if we're not united and we're not transparent about our love and our faith inside this house and how in the world can we go out there and express the love of Christ to those, watching, those in a watching world? That's why we give of our time, talent, and treasure because without him, none of this is possible, right? We can't do it on our own, but we can encourage it. It's why we do will-fed ministry. It's why we load food into vehicles and we go out and we pray over people 
It's why we open up our homes and encourage you guys to join a life group, to surround yourself because we are truly better together. And when we're together in community, our needs are met. It's why we forgive financially. It's why we give of our time serving. One of the heart of this house is that we want to literally um, educate people on the need for foster and adoption. Because there's children out there who are in desperate need to be loved and provided for that don't have a home. Christ has called us to be able to do that. James tells us that it's genuine faith is taking care of the orphans and the widows because the church was created and designed by God in order to fulfill the needs of the people. It wasn't so that you could attain all this stuff and keep it for yourself. God created the church and we see it in, in Acts when they all came together and they sold everything they had. It said there was no needy people among them. Come on, it's God's hope and, that, and God's desire for us that we develop this culture, right? That where it's in our heart that we don't have to give, but we want to give. That we want to be a blessing. We want to meet the needs of everybody else. That's what unity is. That's what the culture that we're trying to achieve in this body is. That, hey, listen, we got a need. We'll take care of it. Come on, man, I'm hurting. I got you. Come on, I need this. It's taken care of. That's the culture. Whenever we come together, united in community, there are no needs. But now listen, when I read Acts, I see what it took to get those needs. And it was sacrifice. It was sacrifice. So unity requires a sacrifice. And the ultimate sacrifice or the ultimate example of this was Christ being the sacrifice and giving himself up on the cross for us, enabling us to be united with God, right? Because we got a need. We needed hope. We needed grace. We needed forgiveness. We needed communion with our creator, amen? And it took a sacrifice to meet that need. And I always think about our military every time I hear the word sacrifice. My stepdad was in the military was in the Air Force. So I grew up on the military bases and all that. So every time I hear the word sacrifice, I automatically think about our military or our first responders or our EMTs or our police officers or our fighter fighters. And if you're in this room, I want to do something. If you're in the room today and you're active, retired military, if you're a firefighter, if you are EMT or you're any kind of service member, I want you to stand up. We have any in, this, in the house this morning? Come on. Y'all can stay standing for a second, if you don't mind. It took sacrifice. Were you forced? Were you, were you forced to join? Were you, were you literally made to join? No, it was willing, wasn't it? You willingly laid down your life or gave of your time. Christ willingly gave his life, right? We're forever indebted for what you guys do. You guys are called to serve and protect. You guys provide a service for us, right? You guys can sit down. Thank you. Seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. We're indebted because you guys gave. You all fulfilled the need in this country if you were in the military so that we could have our freedom, so that we could come together on a Sunday and worship the King of Kings, right? Because I'm gonna tell you what, there's countries out there that can't do what we're doing right here because people gave sacrificially because they gave willingly. They met a need. 
for people that didn't deserve it, for people that weren't worthy of it, they gave anyway to ensure our freedom in this country. They serve and protect. They provide the needs for all of us. Listen, Christ is calling the church to be united in thought and purpose so that all his children's needs are met. This church in Acts realized that what they had, what they possessed, they realized it wasn't theirs, but it was given to them by God. It was a gift from God in order to give back. They shared what they had been given because they were all united in heart and mind. They were all after the same purpose. They weren't holding on to what God gave them. Unity opens our hearts, right? Unity opens our minds to make us think differently than what we were taught. They desired to meet the needs of others. They wanted to meet the needs of others. I'll be honest, foster care is not on my conviction list, but it is on Pastor Mark's. Like he's heartbroken over it. But if I'm not willing to be united with him in the forefront of that and start educating and start believing that, then there's always going to be this division, right? So the moment that I start saying, okay, man, this is a genuine need that God's placed in your heart. And you know what? It's biblical. James tells us genuine faith is taking care of the orphans and the widows. And once I start coming out and going, okay, I start understanding this. Just because it's not my position or my conviction doesn't mean I don't agree with it. That's what causes division, church, when you don't agree with something and you want your way. That's why there's 45,000 Christian denominations in the world today. 45,000, I looked it up about 20 minutes ago. I literally could not fathom the fact of why there's so many denominations of Christianity when we literally have one king and one purpose. spiritual unity and generosity of the early church in Acts, it attracted others to them. It says their numbers grew exponentially because of what they were doing, because of the love that they showed, because of going out and meeting the needs. Others were drawn into that. Unity is attractive, right? Pastor Mark would say unity is sexy. I mean, Pastor Mark, unity is attractive, but unity is productive, well, I got to, you know, you got to get smiles out of you every once in a while. But this sharing, it was voluntary. And it was a prompting from the Holy Spirit inside every believer. And when we surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit individually in our own life, and when the, when the church begins to surrender to the Holy Spirit collectively, come on, there will be no needy people among us. Amen. Because we're going to desire to go out and be the church. We're going to love unconditionally. We're going to give sacrificially, right? Spirituality is essential. And the church can't sustain or survive without it. 45,000 denominations because church continues to split and split and split. There's so much division inside of our churches. We all have to strive to become unified under one God, one faith, one thought, one purpose, living in one accord. Then it's good, right? Psalms 133.1 says, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? I don't know God, but I want to find out because sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But I really would like to find out because the world says, get all you can. Take everything that's offered to you. Attain wealth, desire status, strive to be the best, strive to make more. Save, save, save. 
Don't worry about anybody else. Take care of yours. We're not called to live like the world, are we? Listen, we don't do it because we seek reward. We don't do it. We don't give because we want the glory. When you're united in thought and in purpose, that's just the attitude of your heart. That's just the characteristic that the Holy Spirit molds inside of you. We don't do it to receive, but check this out. This is how much our God loves us because God blesses our willingness. He blesses it. Even though we don't deserve it or expect it, he does it anyway. Listen to Luke 6.38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Ooh, come on. Thank you all to those that sacrificially gave for the freedom of our country. You're blessed. You've been a blessing to us. Thank God for Christ coming out here and making a sacrifice for us so that we could have communion with our Father. Come on, this church, the church, the entire body has been called to meet the needs of everyone, but it's going to require unity. If you're taking notes, write this down. Unity requires sacrifice. I told you that. Unity requires sacrifice, but sacrifice, that encourages unity. That encourages unity. Listen, what if God is wanting to do something far greater? What if God is wanting to do something so significant, so significant inside this body that literally the unbelievers standing out there literally are in shock and they say, I can't even imagine what's going on there, but I want to be a part of it. What if God's wanting to do something so significant today inside this church? And he says, I'm calling all of you today to become united in one because I've got a plan and I've got a purpose and I want to do something powerful. They should look at us and see something that they've never, ever seen before. The outside world. A love that's undeniable. A giving that goes above our means. Hospitality that isn't biased. Grace that has no limit. And sacrifice that truly expresses our gratitude and our love for Christ. And I can't help but believe in a congregation this size that we don't have the ability to go out and make a huge impact in our community. To make a significant difference, not to just play church, but to go above and beyond the expectations of a church. Because we're supposed to do well-fed. We're supposed to love thy neighbor. What if God has wanted to do something far greater than that? What if God says, my people come together in one accord? I can shake the world. And it can start right here. This isn't an encouraging, let's go motivating speech kind of deal. This is the gospel. This is literally the gospel of Jesus. This is exactly what the first church in Acts did. And this is the expectation that Christ has for us as believers. We should go above and beyond the expectations of a church and meet the needs of everyone that God places on our path. Because I believe all of us in this body have been called and I believe all of us in this body have been provided with the resources that it's going to take. You might be sitting there saying, man, Huff, I don't have the gift. I don't have finances. I don't have this. I don't have this. But I'll tell you what you do have. You got the greatest gift that you could give anybody. The moment that you accepted Christ, you have the greatest gift inside you, a love that's undeniable that you have the ability to go out and share with everybody that you come in contact with. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can
can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.